Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, this is James. Welcome back to The Sleep Pod. Every episode, I make up a long-winded, meandering, and most importantly, boring story to help you get to sleep. There's no drama, minimal intrigue, and a high possibility that I'll forget what I've named a character the second I say their name. It's not happened yet, but it's only a matter of time, let's face it. The inspiration for the story this week has been hand-delivered to me in a large metal box by a gentleman in a black velvet robe and simply contained the word SWORD written in felt tip on a post-it note. So, get yourself comfortable, sit back, relax, and I'll start this week's story. Sword. Long ago. stone stairs 
into the kitchen. He wanted some toast. Nobody else was about. He was still king, but he'd kind of done a lot of his uh, more famous exploits by that point. And there was generally peace in the lands for the time being, at the very least. So he went into his kitchen, found some bread, cut it into fairly thick slices. He was a king, he could have thick toast if he wanted. Nobody was going to tell him otherwise. Then he started a fire in the designated fire area. He wasn't committing arson, he just wanted some breakfast. So after a few minutes the uh, bread was now toast. He took it off the fire, put it onto a plate and began eating as he strolled around his castle, wondering what the day had in store for him. He saw a few people, servants, and a few knights who were not really important, but still important enough to be given a knighthood. He said good morning to them. They said good morning to him back. Because he was the king, and you couldn't really ignore the king. He had a look outside for a while, watching the weather, had a look at the uh, fog rolling through the forest below. It was peaceful, he'd seen a lot of unpeaceful things in his time as king. table, and that table 
was very round. Up until that point in history, all tables had been square. When he had first seen his round table, he couldn't quite understand what it was. He saw the legs and the main flat bit on the top and understood its purpose. It was furniture for putting things on top of and sitting at, but it was round. It baffled him, it confused him for a while, but once he accepted it, it was quite the conversation starter, and was very useful for putting people off balance during high pressure meetings and negotiations. So in the meeting hall, as he strolled in, he saw his main body of advisors and knights, all the other important people of Camelot sat around the table. They looked nervous when Arthur entered. He looked at them from eye to eye, none of them would make eye contact. He took a deep breath and walked towards the table, pulled out his seat, which was slightly more ornate than all of the others, sat down and looked from person to person, but nobody said a word. Hey guys, he said. So... What's going on? Everybody shifted uncomfortably for a moment. Oh, this didn't bode well. What could have happened? There had been relative peace with the Anglo-Saxons for a while, and the Romans had been gone for Probably a hundred years or so. He wasn't too sure on the dates. Which is really something that a king should probably know. But for some reason he didn't. Maybe it just slipped his mind. Eventually his wife... Guinevere lightly coughed Arthur turned to her eyebrows raised will somebody tell me what is going on he said 
his wife sighed. Arthur, she said. There's been an incident. Oh no, said Arthur. Is it the Romans? No, she said. They've been gone for at least a hundred years. She too couldn't quite remember how history worked. Oh, okay, good, he said. Is it the Anglo-Saxons? Are they taking over more of Britannia? No, she said. Everything's fine with them. Once you get to know them, they're a great bunch of lads. Ah, good, said Arthur. Hmm. Are Vikings a thing yet? No, not really, she replied. The Anglo-Saxons come from roughly the south end of that kind of area, I think. But give it a few hundred years and there'll probably be some Vikings. So it's not something that you need to worry about right now. Oh good, said Arthur. He was aware that Vikings would probably turn up at some point after a long late night conversation with Merlin, who also was at the table. His eyes down, taking great interest in his fingernails at the time. So, said Arthur, well it's not the Anglo-Saxons and it's not the Romans, and it's not the Vikings, so what is it? Guinevere cleared her throat. Well, there has been an incident. An incident, he said. What kind of incident? With who? Well, with Lancelot. Arthur turned to Lancelot who had his eyes closed, hoping that Arthur wouldn't say anything to him. A cold sweat on his brow. Arthur had had enough of all of this indirect conversation. Come on guys, what's going on? was about to say something, 
but finally, Lancelot opened his eyes, stared straight at Arthur and said, I'm sorry, there's been an accident. Arthur stared at him, waiting for him to carry on talking. After a moment, Lancelot got the hint and continued. Late last night I was having a snack and, well, you better see for yourself. Lancelot moved a stack of parchments that were in front of him on the table. Once he moved them, Arthur's eyes moved from the parchments to the spot on the table that was once covered by the parchments. A large red stain now decorated the table. I was having nachos said Lancelot, and I'd probably had a bit too much mead. Basically, I knocked the dip over and I didn't realise it had happened. And now there's a stain on the table. I'm sorry, my liege. scowled. He didn't like being called my liege. Lancelot had seen the error of his phrasing. Sorry, Arthur. That's better, said Arthur. Arthur stood up and walked around the table until he got to the spot currently occupied by Lancelot. He leant over and looked at the table. He licked his thumb and gave the spot a bit of a rub. It didn't affect the large, red, blotchy stain. We've tried everything, said Arthur's accountant. Steve. We've tried soap and bleach, water, the urine of an ox. Nothing makes any difference. Arthur's shoulders slumped. He looked around the table desperately. There's nothing that could be done. He turned to Merlin. Merlin, can't you do some magic at it or make a potion? Merlin sighed. I'm sorry, I've tried that but nothing worked. Arthur gave out a loud howl and slowly 
so sorry, said Lancelot. It's okay, said Arthur. I know it was an accident, and in the past I've said it's fine to eat at the table. This is my fault more than yours. If there's anything I can do, said Lancelot. But Arthur held up a hand to silence him. It's fine, honestly. Don't worry about it. They all sat around the table in awkward silence for a moment. Paying their respects. Eventually, Arthur looked up. I can't use this table anymore, really, can I? Everybody around the table gently shook their heads. No. A large tomatoey stain would ruin the mystique of the table. No longer would people look at it and go, Wow, it's a table, but it's round. Now they would go, Well, it's a weird-shaped table with a big red stain on it. That wouldn't put anybody off balance. Right, said Arthur. Where can I get a new table from? He looked from person to person. Nobody had any ideas. Sure, there was carpenters at the castle and in the nearby town. But the table of King Arthur needed to be something spectacular. Eventually, Merlin cleared his throat. I have an idea, he said. Everybody turned to him. Well, I've heard that the Anglo-Saxons might be quite good at furniture construction. Really? said everybody. Yes, said Merlin. They've gotten quite good at that kind of thing. In that area of Europe that they're from. And which area is that? Said Arthur. Merlin scratched the back of his head. Um... I think some of them are from the area that may or may not currently be called Denmark. Okay, said Arthur, confused. Are the Danes particularly well known for furniture construction? I don't know. Maybe. They might be the easiest source of exotic construction techniques. Because
because it's either that or maybe order somebody in from Greece and south of Europe and the Mediterranean but it could probably take a while for them to arrive okay said Arthur set up a meeting and he stood up and he left a few days later Arthur was summoned to the meeting room a carpenter had arrived. They shook hands. Hello, said King Arthur. I am King Arthur. Yes, said the carpenter. I know. You are famous and well known. Yes, I suppose I am, said Arthur. What is your name? I have many names, said the carpenter, but you should call me John. It's very nice to meet you, John, said Arthur. So, let's talk tables. They sat around for a while, discussing shapes, sizes, materials, lengths, finishes, carvings. It was a very detailed procedure, but John wanted to make sure that he could construct the perfect table for King Arthur. For three weeks, John stayed, talking to Arthur, not just about tables, but about Arthur's outlook on life. His hopes and dreams and aspirations for the land that he ruled over. John wanted to make sure that the table was not just a table, but was almost an extension of Arthur's body. A symbol of everything that Arthur stood for and believed in. One morning, Arthur woke, went downstairs and found that John had gone. He'd left a note. John explained 
that he had got everything that he needed. He would go away for a while, do some thinking and do some planning, discuss the import of exotic wood. So Arthur carried on his normal kingly duties and waited. He waited and he waited and he waited. Three months had passed. The seasons had changed. Arthur had found himself holding back from carrying out any important meetings until his new table arrived. He was getting a little bit annoyed about the length of time it was taking, especially considering he had had no word from John whatsoever. And then, one Tuesday morning, Arthur was awoken by a raven tapping at his window. He got out of bed, approached the raven, and saw the raven had a note tied to his leg. He retrieved the note, unfurled it, and began reading. The note was from John, and advised Arthur that his new table should be with him in eight to ten business days. Arthur wasn't sure what a business day was, but eight to ten wasn't too long a time to wait, and hopefully this table would be worth it. So for the next week, Arthur paced the halls of Camelot. He was a patient man, except when it came to tables. Eventually, nine days since the note had arrived, there was shouting from the main entrance. The gates were lowered. It was John. He was riding a horse, carrying a large trailer. There was an item on the back of the trailer, draped in cloth, hiding its appearance. The table was here. The whole of Camelot was abuzz. Arthur raced down towards the gatehouse to meet him. So, said Arthur, is that the table? 
John got off the horse, grabbed its reins, and continued walking with it towards the main building of Camelot. The main castly bit. Yes, yes, Arthur, this is the table. The new table. Your new table. Well, said Arthur, bouncing from foot to foot, delighted, alongside the horse, who was ambivalent about the whole situation. Arthur called the services of some of his guards and got them to help bring the still-covered table up into the meeting room. John recommended that it not be unveiled until it is in position. They brought it in there. Arthur instructed his men to remove the old table and to put it into a hallway. Maybe with a cloth over the top of it to hide the stain. After all, it still had function. Once the new table was in position, Arthur instructed everybody to leave, apart from John. Once they were alone, John put his hand on Arthur's shoulder. Well, Arthur, are you ready? Yes, said Arthur, and John walked over to the table. Are you sure? He said. Yes, show me what you have made for me. John nodded, and in one swift motion, removed the sheet from the table. Arthur's mouth dropped open, and tears formed in his eyes. Wow, said Arthur. It's beautiful. Thank you, said John. I'm sorry it took a bit longer than I was expecting. It's fine for this level of craftsmanship and attention to detail. It's worth it. John smiled. He knew he had done well. Arthur circled the table. Wow. You know what, said Arthur. John smiled. He knew what already. Compared to my old table, this one is slightly more round. Sleep well.